0: Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash Book Guy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Reseller's Mindset Podcast. Special guest today, Ed Hustle and Grow, known over in the YouTube universe. That's how I track this man down. And as always, me and Johnny. So we're going to throw this over to Ed. He's going to give a little bit of an introduction to himself and how he's gotten into reselling over the years. So uh, welcome to the show, Ed. How's it going over there?
1: Uh, What's going on, man? First of all, let me just say thank you to both you and Johnny. I appreciate it. Been following you guys for a little while. I became a member. Wasn't even because I sell sell books. Um, I just like the way you did your videos and stuff. So I was like, "Huh, eh, I'll support that, you know. Um, so yeah. But um, as far as me and how I got into reselling, so I go back, let's say, let's go back to I mean, I started my eBay account in 2012, but I wasn't selling, selling all like that. I did some selling maybe 2015, 16. This was when I was still managing the restaurants. I was at Steak and Shake. Uh, I was buying lots off of Liquidation.com. That's back when they actually had some good stuff, you know, yeah. like you know, electronic lots and all that. It was some good stuff on there back then. Um, excuse me. So I was selling stuff on there, going to Steak and working at Steak and Shake. <clears throat> you know, then life happened. I kind of just Got away from reselling, started doing vending. I want to say it was it was probably a year before the, the virus came out, right? Um, and it was actually it was actually pretty cool, man, because it was more passive. I built up to about a hundred something locations total. So most of the things I was doing was gumball machines and things like that, candy machines. I didn't have that many like pop machines or, or snap machines. I started to get into the mini car machines. It's actually pretty cheap to order from China. I ordered one, um, but then I was going to order a pack because you can get like six of them from China, shipped for about I don't know five, six thousand ish, which really ain't that much, right? Six of them coming from China, and that's when everything happened. So when everything happened, everything closed. Most of my locations, I didn't hear from none of the people. I already had the one uh, claw machine, the mini claw machine. I had I had somebody that was going to let me place that in their location. Of course, that wasn't going to happen. I mean, and I really liked that business, but had to do something else. So I was like, ah, let me look, let me look, let me look. Oh, let me start selling stuff again, right? On eBay, <laughs> start buying stuff off of liquidation.com again. They still had some pretty good lots around that time, so this probably would have been what 2020, right? Yeah. <clears throat> still had some good stuff. Started selling again, and then, um, man, as I as it just kept getting bigger and bigger. So, even when things started opening up, I realized how much I love selling stuff more than the vending. Even though vending wasn't bad, I like, but I like selling stuff more. That go back way to my youth. know when I was growing up we did stuff I think I might have said this in one of my videos but anyway we was always hustling man so like grew up in Pittsburgh um we would go to John Eagle we would help people carry their bags to their cars we would uh sell candy bars we would get a bunch of old hangers go to the post office to get the rubber bands to make slingshots sell them in the neighborhood then when the rubber bands broke we'd charge them a quarter to fix it all that type of stuff we was just always hustling man always selling stuff bro and so when I started selling again, that's kind of like I'm gonna just keep doing this. I really Stop. didn't plan. Go ahead, sorry.
2: No, I was just gonna ask uh your your the first part of here. So did you start following us because of the podcast or because of Mike's how to Amazon videos? I'm just curious.
1: I started seeing the how to Amazon videos first.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
1: So it caught my attention because you know how you do it. What's up, everybody? Yeah, like, yeah, it's famous I like, intro, love it. Must be on some Adderall. So, <laughs> oh, and then man. I started watching the podcast, and so I was like, "Yeah, now that I seen the group." Um, you know the channel thing. I was like, "I can, I can do two ninety nine cheaper than a cup of
0: coffee." You know what I mean? I can, um, like so. When you got into like vending, you said you worked in a restaurant industry, and you got into reselling like did the the whole pandemic kind of shut down your job in the restaurant business? So you decided I'm going to take this, you know, this time to see if there's something else I want to do to make a full-time income. Like what was the transition like, because now you resell full time, right? This is, you still don't work in the restaurant industry, right? No, I've been gone from there for almost three years. So yeah. So like, what was that kind of transition like in deciding that this was something you were going to stick with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So Our store, I was I was at Chuck E. Cheese at this time. So I was managing there. The store didn't close fully. So what they did, they transitioned to online, and they would just have basically the two managers working and the tech. Excuse me. They got a tech that do all the games and stuff. And so that's basically all we had. It was just us. We worked. Nobody was really allowed in the store except the delivery drivers and people could come in to order. I think we might have shut down for those first week two weeks that nothing was but once they kind of like start saying people can go once they start saying restaurants can do this and that and the other that's when the, the corporate was like all right well we're going to do online DoorDash, and we did that for a while and so that's how we was able to get our hours and things like that you know keep it going so but it was it was it was dead most of the time you know because it was new especially for chucky e. cheese Chuck E. cheese wasn't known for takeout so it was super dead you know at first um So we would just sit around, man, and I would just be playing on eBay, selling stuff, and stuff was selling and selling and selling. And I'm just like, all right, well, we'll just keep buying stuff and see how fast and how it's going.
0: You know, kept growing. When it came to uh, leaving Chuck E. Cheese's, uh, were you nice about it, or did you take my route and just leave your keys (laughs) in the middle of your shift and never look back? I'm
1: always tempted to leave my keys, man, but... I always try to remember not to burn no bridges, so I,
2: I was nice about it. I gave him two weeks. Better man than me. Them bridges are still burning to this day, and <laughs> let them burn, baby. I gave mine three months. So, yeah, so yeah. Well, so, that's
1: how I with- felt when I left Steak and Shake. Chuck E. Cheese wasn't that bad as far as the people I worked for. My district manager, she was she was crazy, but I knew how to deal with her. You know, that was one of the things I'm always good at is I, I know how to kind of like get to, when I get to know a person, I can kind of like figure it out, but steak and shake uh i was about this close to walking out of there but i still did but that was probably my worst stop honestly
2: so um doing liquidation boxes i'm gonna guess not everything was alike in those boxes so what was your experience like listing well literally probably everything
1: it was a liquidation box so i would order specific types of so i learned i learned a lot man. um I would order the amazon box like you said not everything was alike um and i didn't really realize like especially with clothes a lot of that stuff was cheap and just didn't sell you know i thought it would sell if i put it up and it wouldn't so i learned that you know so many certain types of lots so i started ordering more electronic lots than anything else because the electronics would actually sell better of course, even if they didn't work properly or at all, right? Cause you can list it as four parts. So I started staying away from the mid slots because it was just too iffy. And honestly, most of the time it was crap, you know? So yeah, I stayed away from that stuff. Even now I don't, I don't order no general merchandise slots. Nothing, nothing like that. I don't want none of that stuff because it's mo- nine times out of 10, it's just gonna be junk that you may be able to sell. I like a yard sale, but it ain't good for online
0: it's um it interests me the fact you sell on platforms what name all the platforms you sell on
1: all right so I'm on eBay Walmart Amazon and I do a little bit of McCarty I got about two thousand dollars in
0: sales of McCarty this year and you treat them all basically the same right like you don't you don't kind of do you have like you play favorites I guess I would say like how can I do like ebay and amazon but ebay is like one percent of my business do you play favorites are you just like no i'm all in on everything
1: no no so my plan was to have a certain percentage of revenue coming from each platform because here's how i was thinking right and i know y'all remember tech said it ain't a question of if you get suspended on amazon it's when that's always in the back of my mind i try not to like speak it or talk as I, i believe in like manifestation right so i don't speak that stuff if it happened to happen but i ain't gonna put it out the reason so i'm like but you know you gotta you gotta plan so initially it was ebay so that 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 first bigger year on ebay i did about hundred and thirty thousand 000 in sales right but it was all ebay i had an amazon account but i wasn't really selling it um and and i had tried to apply for walmart but They were still going through something and then they stopped accepting applications. And so I kind of didn't even think about Walmart for about a year. Then once I started doing more Amazon, I I started doing that maybe in, I don't know, 2021, 22. Yeah, somewhere around there, 2021-ish. As my business started growing, especially once I left my job, I'm just like, I don't want to have to depend on one spot. So the goal was to have it about, you know, 30, uh, even split. On the three platforms, you have about 30, 30 30-something percent of revenue coming from each platform. That was the plan. But then when I got on Walmart, I realized how much better it was. (laughs) So then I'm like, all right, well, eBay is just going to have to go to like third place at this point, especially now, because it's just ridiculous, right? Even the stuff that might take a little while to sell on Walmart, it would never sell on eBay. So it's a big difference, right? So now it's more like Walmart would be, I don't know, 40% of my revenue. Amazon, about another 30, 40%. And eBay's definitely around like 15 to 20%-ish, somewhere around there, maybe 20, 20. Yeah, not quite 25. So That's kind of how
0: I'm going to keep it for now. uh, Say, for example, uh, you get a, a shipment of items. You don't know what they are. How do you decide what platform to list it on? Like, because, you know, you're selling on all these different platforms. Do you spend the time to comp each platform and sell through each platform? Or is this just kind of like a knowledge base you develop that, you know, all right, health and beauty items are going to do better on Walmart than eBay? Or is like, what's your process when it comes to dealing with multiple platforms and different types of items?
1: It's a little bit of both. So a lot of the stuff I already know when I look at it because look there's as far as hygiene health and beauty makeup most of the stuff i are i can look and i can say well that don't sell or that is not going to sell on ebay but it'll sell on walmart or i can't list that on amazon because you know this and that and other so i kind of got a good idea but if i don't know i will comp it on each platform the only way i'll put something though on amazon or walmart it sells for less then I would on, and it, it could sell for more on eBay, but I'll put it on those two because I know it'll sell faster. I don't want to wait on eBay for more money. I would rather not deal with it. So, like if it's selling, let's say it's selling for 15 bucks on, on Amazon or Walmart, but on eBay, you know, you got some comps for 20, 25. I'll take the 15. Especially if the sales rank is good. I'll just take the 15 and be done with it. And if I and usually I got a lot of units of certain items. So, like, I just sent in a bunch of units of lower dollars selling items, but it's going to sell out so fast. I'm going to have that money right back. Whereas if that stuff was on eBay, it would, man, it would be there forever. You know, and I ain't got time to, you know, be waiting on that
2: money to come back. I need it back as fast as possible. See, my methodology is similar, but slightly different. Uh, Basically, we take an item and if it can go to Amazon, it will go to Amazon. And then if it fails the Amazon check, okay, we'll do the eBay check. And if it fails that, well, to the storefront it goes. Um, and then I, I've talked about publicly about probably getting to Walmart later next year. So it'll probably be a third check. Now, whether Walmart gets slotted above Amazon, below Amazon, or below or behind eBay is questionable at the moment. But we'll see. Um, I just find if I try to pro- play the pricing game, which to maximize my dollar on which platform it goes, how much time I waste during the day. So I think assigning, at least for me, assigning a platform of like a like we were talking for a second, third place um, is the way I'm going to go do it for the time being. But that's just how I'm doing it right now. That may change down the road.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good plan. And and one of the things I'll look at, too, is Walmart don't have as much c- competition as uh, Amazon. Right. So, you know, a listing on Amazon could have 50 sellers, but the same item on Walmart might have five. So that would that could determine it too. That's why I always double check, because you know that buy box will come up quicker on Walmart, and it's easier to jump people in the buy box on Walmart than it is Amazon. So it just depends. That's a
0: that's a hard pill to swallow. You're basically telling every reseller out there to take less money quicker than to wait for a little bit more money, and I think you're one hundred percent right. But I do think for some reason the mentality resellers have when it comes to like, oh, they need to get every dollar for something, even though, you know, maybe you paid, you know, a dollar for the item, you know, you paid a dollar for the phone, you know, it's worth 300. Somebody offers you 150 and you're like, no, I can't take it. It's like, you have to turn and burn inventory. And like, especially like, I wonder how this relates to you because in media, cash flow is the only way you survive. You can't have millions of books sitting around your house. You got to turn this inventory, even if you're going to, you know, even if you're going to lose money, sometimes you have to get something back out of it. So I'm curious, like, because you don't mess around with media, is the cash flow struggle the same with replenishables and, you know, what you do?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's the same as far as that goes because I got my bread and butters, but my bread and butters are not hot dollar selling items, right? And with health and beauty, honestly, the higher end items are usually the ones that get you in the most trouble. So I, I, on purpose, I purposely try to stay under the radar by selling only certain types of things. Not that I won't sell higher end, but I found that those are the ones that usually kind of get you. You know, those will get you suspended. Um, so I'll stay away from certain stuff. But my, I, my, I think one of my main problems in the beginning was thinking one that I had to list everything, and two, um, that I, I, I could that it was a good idea to hold on to stuff. And so I don't even do that no more. Some stuff now I realize I, I'm not even listing um, individually. I'll just put it all in a box and I'll throw it up on Marketplace and sell it for 20 bucks. Um, it's super important that I keep getting money back. I got to, it increases my buying power. When I need to make a purchase, I'll have the money to make the purchase. It is doing me absolutely, like it's not helping me to have stuff Sitting on and I know we say that and it kind of gets cliche but when you have bills to pay and you got things going on and you need to keep running your business and dealing with your household, like looking at something sitting on the shelf, it's, it's not helping. You know, I'll take five dollars if I can get five dollars now over twenty dollars in six months because that five dollars is going to keep moving. If I get every week, you know what I mean? And by the time you get your 20, I done turned that into a 100. So it don't even matter to me. And who knows what opportunities might come along. In the meantime, and I'll still have the cash to access the opportunities. So that's just kind of been my philosophy.
2: Now, I do want to say something a little controversial, but I'm in full agreement with what's been said here, is you can't play the longer dollar later game. You just have to, well, be able to sustain that. And, and you're going to go out of business if you can't sustain that. So if you can sustain that, I think it's a game to be played down the road once you've built your business up to, well, status quo, these, these handful of items over here, I'll just wait for the money on those. Cause everything over here is making everything I need. And then some, um, but I think both models work. It's just, most people give up on the, I think it's a harder model to do. Cause again, you, how long are you willing to wait two years, three years, four years. Um, and if you have enough of it, and then it starts to become daily sales. Cause that time clock you've gotten to that point. It's just most people don't survive to that point with that model. They go out of business because they're making no money while they're waiting because they're waiting for the right yeah. customer at the right time for the right dollar amount, much harder game to play. Very high level, Very or, or you're independently wealthy and you don't need the money. Technically that can also be a way it could work. Um. So I'm done with my controversy back to you, Ed. Oh, so look, look, I don't
1: think that's really controversial. And there's a couple of things about that. Cause I thought about that too before. Right. Um. So there's a couple of things, right? One, It probably wouldn't be a good idea unless you already got money and you're rich, right? To start off with long tail items or unless it's just a hobby and you got a job. Right. They're treating it as a hobby. Right. But if this is your business, then you, then what you said is correct. So you can do that, but you also need some bread and butter stuff until you build up the volume. Exactly. For that stuff to start turning over because like, Once you get, it might take you three or four years before that stuff starts selling, but you'll still have stuff coming in. But in the meantime, to keep the cash flow, you're going to need some other stuff that's going to move a little bit faster. Absolutely.
0: Um, Cross-listing. You're on multiple platforms. Uh, Everything I see on social media when it comes to reselling is if you sell on eBay, cross-listing will save your business and make you rich. Uh, What's your take on it since you sell on, you know, Three major reselling platforms. The only things I cross list is items that I got a bunch of, bunch of units of each. I don't,
1: I, 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 listen. I'd have made my mistakes of taking one item, putting it up on multiple platforms, and it sell on all of them. Trust me when I tell you it can happen. And then I got to go out and freaking find it and make sure I make the customer happy by sending it and don't get a ding. So. Only time I put items up on those multiple, when you see that, if you used to see that, it would be things that I probably got, you know, 10 or more units of, And then I'll do it that way. And then I always got a note because I keep these little sticky notes on the outside to let me know which platform it is on so I can take them down. And once they whittle down a little bit or if I see that it's selling faster on one platform over another, I'll just take it off the other ones and just leave it on there. But to start off, if I'm not sure, I'll put it on all three. But it got to be more than one. It got to be a few. units. But I'm not I'm not playing that game, dude. That's just I can't tell you how much of a headache it is to put one item up on multiple platforms and have to keep up with it, dude. That's especially if you got a lot of units up. Like I'm just not doing it. I've done it. And it's
0: it never worked. It never worked. Do you um, hold up, Johnny? I got I got an important question to this because this is how I live my life. Uh, Do you go to thrift stores at all? No, not really. Unbelievable. Security. Get this guy security. Listen,
1: you'll be happy to know that that is one of my goals for this coming year, to start going to thrift stores, man. I'm going to start doing a little bit of thrifting, just to expand my knowledge base, see what other opportunities out there. I'm not going to put a huge amount of time, maybe once a week or so. I'm going to start doing it, man. Don't those do yeah, me there. I yet. don't really go
0: to thrift stores either, Mike. I'm just Dude, saying. You live in a thrift store though. That's a different I mean I made my own thrift <laughs> store. You're you're not wrong. That's <laughs> uh it is pretty cool to think about that, right? Your your business, you really don't have to go and deal with the crazy people in thrift stores. I was just curious and uh I'm I'll be excited for you to get out there and you know meet some in real life people, not just us YouTube uh personalities. <laughs>
2: So you said, you. Uh, I mean, Mike said, so I, this may be untrue. Have you ever sold media and or books, disc media or books before? And what was your experience like with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So coming off of COVID, I bought out a bunch of family videos. It was going out of business. Um, I seen a post on Marketplace. And uh, it was one of the ones that's in my city. Went up there, talked to them. Got all the DVDs after they did their little few days of selling down or whatever. So I'm like, you know, y'all got more? Like first they want to do it, but then like later on that night they called me and said, Hey, our district manager said blah, blah, blah. And if you want to drive over here, I'm like, yeah, I'll drive. So I ended up buying out like four of them, bro. I got a bunch of DVDs. DVDs, games, um, adult movies. I actually still got a whole banana box of adult movies. I gotta figure out what to do. <laughs> but um, so, like, and and I just made a video. Basically, whatever I got left, as far as the DVDs go, at the end of the at the beginning of next year, I'm just taking down. But I've sold bro thousands and thousands of DVDs. How um, much did
0: you pay per piece? Do you remember?
1: Twenty five cent. Good deal. Twenty five cent each. Uh, for everything, it was just everything, and I had a bunch of good stuff. I had some sealed ones. I'm still selling through the games now, but. It was it was a good deal. It was a good deal. I've been made my money back and then some. Uh, as far as books go, I sold some books, but I ain't a book person. I bought a lot more bad books than good books. I would say that <laughs> I end up taking most down and just tossing them. It was you know, but
0: I don't dislike media, but I'm not a media guy. Yeah, it's uh, I don't blame you. Media I think everybody jumps at in, jumping into media, and it's like one of the most oversaturated slow sell through categories on any platform. It's like, guys, like there's a million other ways you can turn your dollar a lot quicker than media. If you don't have relationships in media and you're not willing to put in two plus years in the business, it's not for you. Just move on to that other thing that's already in your mind, right? If you want to do the health and beauty, then just skip media altogether. I don't think it has to be a stepping stone anymore, especially with Amazon, because everybody starts with media on Amazon because it's everywhere. Skip that step anymore. Do something that you're passionate about, and it's you're a lot more motivated. Like Ed said, like if he had a, a storage unit behind him full of books, he'd be hating his life right now. It's like you yeah, don't want to really deal with this it. stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on yeah, the it's, back
2: right behind me. Yeah, do,
0: do what you're passionate about, and you know, don't think you have to do what Ed's doing, what I'm doing, what Johnny's doing. It's just something that you enjoy doing a category you enjoy. I mean, you know, maybe Ed likes to paint his nails and he sells a bunch of nail polish, but you know, that's make, telling
1: people my secret.
0: I told you that was between us. Like, it, it, it make and make some money. <laughs> he enjoys, you know, and he's, and like to the topic of like relationships, right? Because I have thrift store and library relationships. Do you have like relationships maybe with like wholesalers or suppliers that uh you can always go back to and order more things from, because that's kind of like your whole business.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got a couple local ones. And I got a couple I actually got a couple that I met on eBay. So one of the things I'll do is reach out to the bigger stores. And you can find some connections that way. I'll just put it that way. And so the one guy, I made like one little test purchase, got the merchandise, it was pretty good, made another one, a little bit more, it's good. He actually ended up reaching out to me and was like, hey, if you want more, I see you made a couple purchases. You know, this is how we can connect. Uh, He's up in New York and it's been, listen, he's been a a blessing. Honestly, I get merchandise from him It's always almost all good condition, brand new. um, And the price point is super low with the shipping. And that's, you know, that's outside of any like B stock, any like business like platforms You know what I mean? So those has always been the best deals I could find. Even a local guy, one of my buddies, Josh. He sold me about what? 1500 units not too long ago. Dollar piece, bro. But it was all brand new stuff. The only thing I had to do, it had stickers on. It. I had to take the stickers off. But it was it was well worth it. You know what I mean? Um, those have been my best deals, my best finds the things that have boosted my business the most are those personal connections is reaching out
2: somebody saying, Hey, you got more or, you know, things like that. So I want everyone who's listening to pause, rewind what Ed just said and pay attention very closely. Cause that's probably the biggest tip we've given all year. And it wasn't even us. It was Mr. Ed here. Um, He didn't give away all the things, but it, uh, I almost wanted to say, no, stop Ed!" But no, it's, it's good stuff. Really. Honestly, I've done that myself, especially when I was doing disc media, and it, yes, they are the best deals you can probably get if you hustle and find the right person who's willing to talk to you and deal with things. Um. So, uh, well, go ahead, Mike. Sorry, I just wanted to say that.
0: Do you have a like? When it comes to you listing, do you have like a set amount you like to list a week, whether it's dollar or items, or like what does your listing on a weekly basis kind of look like, or a daily basis?
1: When it was mostly eBay, I did. And it would be, you know, my listing goal. I was doing like 30 to 40 items a day, every day. But when I switched, now there's really no goal. Once I determine what's going to Amazon, first I determine if something is going to go to Amazon or Walmart, or am I going to sell it myself? Once I determine that, then I make my plan. If it's going to Amazon, I start preparing the shipment and inventory lab. Ship it out and be done as far as walmart goes i haven't done as much fulfilled by walmart yet so most of it's fulfilled by me that listing process is simple when it works well you know it's almost like amazon but there's a couple more steps involved. and then lastly ebay's always last i got a whole table back there right now stacked up with stuff They got to be listed on ebay and so my plan for that now mostly is i'll go through take all the pictures after the pitches are done, I'll create all the drafts. After the drafts are done, I usually schedule about five a day to go out and I try to get it for to be like two weeks out. That way, that gives me more time to focus back on Walmart and Amazon or anything else I need to do. So that's kind of how I treat eBay. I'll just do like two weeks worth, schedule them to go out and be done with it until I get back around to it.
2: I will say a lot of people in text groups struggle with getting that two week draft bank. Like, it's the, one of the more harder things to overcome if you're doing eBay on any serious basis to have that draft bank to prepare for unforeseeables and that buffer room when things go awry. Um, so I, I found that uh, good.
1: Why do, why do they struggle? I can see. And, and look, it's only for me. It's only anywhere from five to ten items a day when I do that. Well, the
2: methodology right? is supposed to be, be whatever your daily is plus X percent extra. And the extra goes in the draft bank. And over time, it'll accumulate. Well, we have two weeks worth of drafts ready to go for a two-week vacation, going out of town sure, for a sourcing trip or any this, that, and the other. What they try to do, the ones that are struggling with it, is they try to marathon dump stuff in the draft bank, and they burn themselves out. They're over-listing, essentially. Because yeah. doing their base, and they're like, okay, let's do 90 more. Dude, you just did 90. Now you're trying to do like a like a – two working shifts and that's taxing on anybody to be honest and the ones that just just a little bit extra and and are patient it's the impatience i think that gets to them they want to just do it and get it over with
1: so i don't know if it's because i've been doing them been doing ebay for a little bit and or multiple platforms if i was just doing ebay let me go back i think here's the number one thing i learned as far as like whether it's creating draft banks um multitasking, which I, I'm not a, a big proponent of that no more. I think you should do one thing until it's done, then move on to the next thing. Uh, so as far as like that whole listing thing and trying to do too much, I think the biggest thing people got to learn is set a time that you want to do something, determine how long you want to do it, and when it's done, be done with it and move on to something else. If, even if you can do extra, unless you got something going on, right? even if you can do extra and you got something else scheduled move on to the next thing well even if that's a break you know what i mean take your break move on to the next thing but don't don't do more than you know more than you should do cuz in the long run it's just, it usually come bite you in the butt man
0: that's um it's funny because how i stumbled upon your channel a few months ago you made a video talking about how uh Resellers are, you know, were thinking about cross-listing and going to other platforms in comparison to eBay. And um, I think to this myself because I kind of, you know, I used to flip flop and I would list on eBay every once in a while. And now I kind of just put it to the side. But the benefit of being somebody like Ed and saying, "Okay, I got X, Y, and Z. I can list on. What do these look like? I can look at my sales on each platform, see where you're making your money." Ed's not going to list the stuff on eBay if he knows it's going to take forever to sell. So he can say, all right, I'm pumping the brakes on eBay. I need to go where the money is. And that's kind of where I've fallen into is like eBay is an afterthought for me. I haven't listed in months. I don't intend to list for months. I'm going to focus on where my money is, which is Amazon. And that's the reality. People get, it's almost like a relationship, like, like you're married to eBay. Like you can't go and cheat on eBay with another platform. But I try to tell everybody expand it doesn't even have to be Amazon it doesn't have to be Walmart there's so many different platforms and different styles that you could you know adapt to but people are just like well eBay's that's it for me like it's crazy
2: I yeah. will say part of that's due to there's probably more videos and resources out there for eBay than any of the other platforms at present
0: dude uh, it's all just people sitting in their garages full of junk that's never going to sell
2: well, I didn't say they were listing the right stuff. I just said as far as content available for them to consume, to put up their trash, it's probably eBay has the most content out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the it's the um lowest barrier to entry.
2: So, I agree.
1: You know what I mean? So that's why. But I mean, just on what you were saying, Mike, um, it's funny you said that because I was thinking to myself, part of my plan for this year, I got some things I want to do, but I said to myself, I'm going to focus more of my financial resources on only sourcing for the other two platforms over eBay. Now I still buy pallets, so some of that stuff will go. But I'm going to be more targeted in my spending because I need to focus on the platform that's bringing me revenue a lot faster instead of putting it into eBay. They got whatever they got going on on eBay. Look, I'm not going to abandon ship because you never know if I, you know if I got to come back home. But uh, I it's it's. It's just, I don't know, what the opportunities out there, I think for my time, it's just not worth it, man. It's just not worth it.
2: No, I agree. You have to put your most time in the platform that makes you the most money. But I, I'm in your camp there of we don't know when we'll get a pink slip from which platform. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm have keeping up with the times uh, or at least listing every now and then. So yeah. even Mike listing once every six months, that's perfectly okay. As long as he does it at least once a year, Mike, please once a year. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know if that's an irrational feel or not. Cause I think we as resellers that do this on any kind of level, we focus on the negative a little too much. Like any of us who are trying to do it above board and not nefarious things. We focus on those horror stories that the innocent lister or reseller that got banned all of a sudden for no rhyme or reason but how many of us that we personally know that talk to each other are banned off a platform i will say that tech did get banned off amazon so (laughs) i guess i'm a hypocrite in my statement there i
0: have a hot take and you guys can address this if you want to be in hot water right along next to me um resellers will be the first people to chase the next shiny object shiny bolo but they refuse to try to learn a different platform to sell on, whether that's an Amazon seller, learn an eBay or vice versa, or Walmart, or the next platform that comes out, or whatnot. It's like we can go as scatter brains with what we sell in our business, but when it comes to the platform, all of a sudden we cannot step one inch outside of the lines here because it's scary over there. And like you said, all you hear is the horror stories about you know what could possibly go. It's I think it's such backwards thinking. I think everybody should at least try every single platform to see what works, especially if you're selling different types of items.
2: Now I will say
0: the exact same thing for sourcing resellers don't like to
2: change their sourcing, sourcing methodologies. I've done very little online sourcing, but I do do it from time to time. I was resistant to it. Like, no, I could just go out, fill up my truck and come back. But you know what? Getting packages delivered to me is a lot nicer. I will say that. Um, Or, you're just a bins person. Have you tried not going to the bins and maybe going to, I don't know, a mom and pop that's not affiliated with Goodwill or Salvation Army or these other chains? Or it may be you go to garage selling or what do they call it? Uh, storage unit sales and auction houses and estate sales. There's all kinds of options for us. But I think we fall into the routine, even if it's sticking to a platform routine, we don't, diversify or expand our knowledge. I think that's very important as a reseller as a whole, expand.
1: No, and I think that's for any business, right? Unless you got a lot of capital and you are just got a lot of opportunities or you're innovating in some type of way, the longer you stay with something, the more stale you'll probably end up being. Things change, trends change. And so you don't got to go all in, like you said, on these other platforms or all in on a different form of sourcing. But it's good to have the knowledge or the experience just in case you got to make a pivot, because if you wait too long, it might be too late. Right. Because by that then your cash is probably dwindled down anyway. Right. If things start going bad. But if you already got a presence on another platform or you already met a new connection and you've been dabbling here, selling this and that. It's a little bit easier. I agree with you on that for sure. man.
2: Well, let's, let's just use my truck example. What, what if I wrecked my truck or let's say I broke my legs and can't drive the truck. What am I going to do? And I don't know how to online source at that point. Well, I got to spend some learning time before I can get things delivered and then start the machine back up again. But if I already had the forefront knowledge outside the doctor's visit or a trip to the mechanic, I would have been a okay. If I had the knowledge in advance.
0: Yeah, for sure. I guess um so. Like what's your, your newest platform would be Walmart, right, Ed? Yeah. So like, give me insight from the, the day you decided I'm going to try to get approved on Walmart to like where you're at now and how much you sold. Are you selling a lot more than you think you would have sold on Walmart? Like, did you even think you would make it this far on Walmart? Oh man, listen,
1: I wasn't ready. I ain't going to do a lot. So I went back. This would have been last year. I don't know. August, September, somewhere around that time. I went back to the site and they started taking applications again. So I'm like, well, hell, let me try and see what happens, right? And then I got an email like, hey, congratulations, you've been approved. I'm like, oh, shoot, okay. Um, I get in there, look around, I'm like, ah, this is weird. Um, So I'm like, all right, well, let's see how it go, right? I put a couple items up. It took me about week and a half or 2 for things to start moving. I'm getting items up, but listen, bro, I'm telling you. Once I start putting that inventory up, it was moving. I'm talking about fast, fast. Um because there's little competition. Like I said, it ain't like Amazon yet where you got 50, 60 sellers on a listing and everybody got their repricers. Walmart got this primitive repricer that is it's, it's kind of stupid, but it's not like that. So Listen, it, you can sell out of something super quick. Look, I don't mind selling five, six, $7 items on Walmart because it'll sell like this and people will buy multiples or they'll shop and buy different. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. So I wasn't ready for that. um, And I almost got in trouble a couple times because <laughs> I couldn't keep up at first. So I had to like figure out some things. But um, it was good, man. It was good. So that's why I was like, okay. And that's why I want to take more advantage of this opportunity on walmart before it start getting like crazy
0: you know what i mean yeah i think uh, i think you i think we can reference it to uh whatnot as a platform right like when it first came out like people were like nah, it really ain't gonna do nothing now there's more people trying to move over but all the ads of the world have been over there already and have the following have the sales have the feedback that's going to give them the advantage when it comes to the buy box and things like that so there is definitely huge benefit to picking and choosing opportunities that aren't just product related It's almost like a business strategy opportunity that you take advantage of by there not being a lot of competition because if there ain't no competition then you set the market price for everything and you're going to get a lot more money for all of your items so that is kind of interesting to think about and just like you took the risk for some reason you decided hey uh, did you like come across like a YouTube video? Like what clicked in your mind that you're like, I want to try to sell on Walmart. Did you see like a news article or something? I think I was just doing stuff,
1: you know, researching. I, I came across uh, the, the, uh, the webs. It was some website and it was just like apply to sell on Walmart. And I remember in my mind, I said, well, last time I checked, they wasn't even taking applications. And I was just like, well, let me see what happened. I, I, it wasn't even like a thing that was in my mind. Man. I seen the link. I clicked it, I said, okay, what the hell, submitted it. And look, Walmart got his issues as far as the back office. I've seen people talk about how they can't get items to show so they don't deal with it. And it doesn't even matter. I don't care about none of that. Stuff sells, that's all I care about. Everything else I can figure it out, stuff sells. And I feel like I hope they keep the barrier to entry of you need a reseller's license and you need this and you need that because that keeps the competition low. And it's
2: just for the opportunity is crazy
1: on it right now. So, you know.
2: So my last question I have for you, are you a solar operator? Do you have part-time employees, full-time employees, or plans for employees down the road or don't want any at all?
1: No. So I had an employee last year. Um, it wasn't bad. She ended up moving out of town, but going forward, I was like, you know, so I, I tried to do everything myself and that's been burning me out. So, which yeah. is another reason I've been doing more FBA and stuff lately. So my plan going forward was this. I was thinking I could either hire somebody to help me ship. But that's where I've been getting my bottleneck at, right? Bro, when you got to ship all the way into like three or four o'clock, you don't want to list nothing or do nothing else after, right? If you're starting in the morning. So that's been getting on my nerves. So I said, okay, I can hire somebody. I can do more FBA fulfilled by Walmart. I talked to the accountant. He was like, well, look, if you hire somebody, it ain't just the price you want to pay them. It's going to be more because you got taxes and you got things like that. So he said, yeah. look at it. Like if you want to pay $10 an hour, he said, well, that's going to be more like $15 an hour. You know, it's, it's, so he said, you got to think. So well, then when I thought about it, I said, well, damn, if I pay somebody that much, well, what's the difference on the fees for FBA, right? It might even be cheaper to do right. FBA. So at this point, I'm just going to this year. My plan is I already know what it's like to try it myself. It's cool, but it's, it's it's too much. This year, I'm gonna do I'm gonna leverage the platform more, and I'm gonna see how that go. Which I think I should be good doing it that way. And then my next bottleneck would just be hiring somebody to help me pack. But we'll we'll get to that bridge. When, you know, when we get there. I but love I, how you did the number to me.
2: see if it was cheaper just to do it FBA. So again, that's another rewind Ed replay moment right there. That was a pro tip. Excellent.
0: You, you got to. I mean, at the end of the day, time is the most valuable thing we have. And um, even if, you know, what Ed's saying is basically if he's going to pay an extra $3 in fees to FBA an item, it's better than paying somebody to sit there and pack an item he's got to fulfill himself. And right. it, yet again, it's uh, it's all a cost analysis and being able to accept the fact that you don't have to get maximum value on every single item. A lower, quicker profit item that you can turn over again and again and again, like Ed says, he has replans. That is how you quickly ramp up your business, and you don't really have to worry about hiring somebody because, let's face it, we talk about it all the time. If Ed had a list, you know, a hundred items on eBay versus Amazon, we're talking hours to basically yeah. minutes. I mean, it's yeah. it's that astronomical. So that's the point where he's at. It's like, okay, well, all of a sudden, I'm maxed out on time you know, what can I do to make this make sense? I think it's a good idea. I think you will probably and your revenue is only going to go up from it because you're going to be listed more. You're just going to have to buy more. And then when you get to the point where you can't, you can't literally send in anymore because you're maxed out. I mean, that's, that's when you can think about it. But I think the ceiling for that is so high. I mean, look at how many people just sell on Amazon by themselves and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because it's so easy to just throw a label on it, put it in a box and get it out the door.
1: Hey, so look, to what you were just saying, I think this is an important distinction. Uh, the whole revenue thing, as opposed to focusing on, I guess you can say, higher average sale price. Not that I don't ever try to raise my higher average sell price, because I do. So like the eBay seller, the, the, sold, the person who only sells on eBay, they focus more on finding an item or items that sell... Higher, you know, 20, I need $20 profit, this and that. I get that, especially selling on eBay. But me, that's not, I learned, that's not how I look at it. I look at it like revenue. I want to increase my revenue. High ever sell price, I can have a harder time increasing my revenue with that than I would with lower ever sell price if it's selling fast. So I don't really necessarily focus on higher ever sell price. I just want to know if something sells, And if it does what's the profit and how fast does it sell i'll take two dollars if i can make a hundred dollars two hundred dollars a day off of one item and then i'll just find a bunch of them that'll do that same thing and so if that increases my revenue percentage month over month quarter over quarter year over year i'm fine with that i i don't care if i get twenty dollars profit i really don't i just want to increase my revenue and so whatever item does that for me um depending on the velocity that's kind of what I'm looking at, especially going forward. So
0: Yeah, it's like and the ease, the ease of use of the platforms too, right? I mean, it's it's one of those things where if you're just throwing a sticker on something, you're never taking a photo. Uh, do you have to take photos of your items on Walmart? I'm just curious. I have no idea. No,
1: not not unless you create a listing. It's it's
0: pretty much set up as far as that goes, like uh Amazon. Okay. So there's one parent listing that you yeah. just list on. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, yet again, right, you're saving the time of thousands, tens of thousands of photos every single year that you factor into, you know, where you're going to take your business over the next year. So before we wrap this up, like, what does 2024 look like for your business overall? Like, do you have some crazy goals in mind? Like, uh, give me a little bit of insight here. So 2024 looks like me doing more
1: FBA, more fulfilled by Walmart. It looks like my revenue goal for 2024 is going to be 350000 it was 300,000 this year. I'm not going to probably make it going to fall short, but I think the reason I fell short was because I took too long to adjust and start doing more FBA and stuff. And I kept trying to do things myself for too long. Um, I think that's the main, especially when I saw eBay wasn't doing as much as I wanted it to do, or I needed it to do. So I took too long. So I think next year, I'm actually pretty excited about it. And so that's that's my goal, man. That's the revenue goal. That's, and I want to be able to free up time because I want, like we was just saying, I want to explore another platform. I want to explore whatnot. I want to try that once a week, but I need to free up some time. I can't be in here shipping all day one day. You know what I mean? And I, I just want to kind of like, you know, see how I can evolve my business. One thing I know we got to go, but the one thing I look at, I, I watch this a lot, what Amazon is doing how they innovate, how they're trying to reach the customer, what Walmarts. I said this in one of my videos, the only uh, big platform I never see in these videos is eBay. Like how they're making a push to reach out and bring in more business to make the, the process easier for the customer. Like I never hear eBay in these conversations. It's always Amazon. Amazon Walmart's at the top. They that That competition is crazy. So I definitely got to be on those platforms. Because they're only going to continue to grow and that reach is going to grow. Um, there's target in there, but I don't really know nobody selling Target yet. <clears throat> but even whatnot, right? I think the future of reselling or selling in general, not just reselling, but selling, is gonna be live selling, having that direct contact with the customer, talking to them, people being able to actually see you handle the product, all of that. And so I don't wanna to do too much too fast, but I wanna go where it looks like, you know, the industry is gone. And what what the and bring in people and meet people where they at because not every customer likes eBay as we see, right? They lost millions of uh, buyers. Um, some people love Prime and they want their products in a day or two and things like that. But then some people are going to want to actually see you handle the product. They're going to want to have that interaction. And so I want my business to evolve where I'm able to do those things at a sustainable level. Um, I don't need like to do crazy, crazy numbers, but you know, as long as I'm satisfied, my family's good. That's kind of how I just want to be in tune with the industry, if that makes sense.
0: What about uh the future of your YouTube channels? Is this like something you're going to continue to do, uh, you know, basically on a weekly basis, like you have been. I know you got the weekly lives. Um, like, what's the future of your YouTube channel look like for next year?
1: Well, the, the reason I named it Hustle and Grow is because I didn't want to name it like a flipping channel. Like everybody hey, the did. used
0: book guy. You throwing shade at me or what? Dude? No, no, my, but it boxes but you in, bro. It boxes you <laughs> in.
1: I didn't want to box myself in. You know, because I started off vending. Now I'm reselling and I don't know what I will be doing in five or 10 years. I can tell you this. I don't want to only be reselling, though. And so when I, I want to continue to document that journey. So, heck, next, next year, a couple years from now I might own a McDonald's or something. I don't know. But I want to be able to have my channel broad enough that I can bring all that content in as I kind of like grow and all of that.
2: We had a lot of amazing people on this year, but I will say you're my pick for best information given in our podcast. Sorry,
0: Tech. It's <laughs> Oh, Thanks. now tech, Tech's going to be blowing me up. Oh uh, Johnny needs to get fired from the podcast. and I'll, I'm listening. Sorry. Hey, Sorry, if you Johnny. replace
2: him with me, that's an
0: upgrade. I'm just saying. <laughs> that is a flat out upgrade. It is interesting though to see somebody because you always hear everything sellers. And I kind of think of you like as an every platform seller. So like, that's kind of what got me into your videos and even came across you because you just tell it like it is, right? You go where the market is. You don't Hang on to something just to hang on to it. You're like, beat it. If I can do something better on a different platform, then that's where I'm going. You like you're not tied down to a single platform. And I think that gives you such an advantage, especially the stuff you sell. And I, I hope it's eye-opening for some people to just step out of your comfort zone. And you know, like if you have a question about how to sell, like if I ever want to go sell on, on Walmart, I'm just going to blow it up. Like it'll answer all your questions when it comes to everything he knows about selling on Walmart and you heard it here the competition the the, the barrier to entry is high which is good which means the competition right. is low i mean we you know if we all could get over on that platform have a reseller's license and all of a sudden when you when you are in the market you can charge a lot more for your stuff that you know you'd be amazed at some of the prices you can get for things that you you know yeah. could probably get cheaper yeah. if you just went to your local store so we're going to wrap it up here ed we appreciate you hanging out and as always Thanks. uh go subscribe to him on YouTube over at hustle and grow. And uh, we'll probably bring you back on next year for an update. I think we're going to bring all the guests back on Johnny, uh, like after a year or so, just to kind of get updates on them. So thanks for hanging out we're with right us. Now. Exactly. Thanks for listening to another episode of the resellers mindset podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members along with the weekly zoom call and private discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.